You're listening to 2, 5, and 10, your source for bullshit-free NHL news, analysis, and insights. Now, here are your hosts, Kevin Naughton and Ben Stewart. Eighteen to two, five, and ten, and we got a treat for you guys today. We are going through our preseason predictions, awards of Eastern Conference Finals, Western Conference Finals, Stanley Cup, all the major trophies this year. Benny, what up? Rangers had a thrilling overtime win in Toronto last night. I got the coaster next to me, passed out. Blair Witch on the TV to start the Halloween movie fest. I'm in a good mood, man. I'm ready to go. Life is good. All right. That sounds good to me. I mean, where would you like to start with all this craziness, madness? Um, I mean, we, we can touch on probably the most important thing of the week that we touched on last week and the NHL officially suspending Evander Kane 21 games for his fake Vax card. I mean, do you have anything on the suspension? I think we both knew it was going to come, but I mean, did you expect it to be that thick? Yeah, I thought, to be honest, I thought they would have suspended him indefinitely because, and this is why he's not going to ever play another game for the Sharks. Even when the suspension's up, he's not playing another game. You can't walk back into that locker room and face your teammates with them knowing that you jeopardized their health and their family's wealth, uh, health because you were selfish. Like, this is not the sport to pull that shit. So there's no way they would accept him back into the room. You could gamble. You could be an asshole off the ice. You can be a, almost a piece of shit teammate in terms of like just being abrasive. You can mispractice because you're overslept. Teammates, maybe not management, but teammates can somehow work their way past it if you own up to it. This is something you can't work past. It's like this and like sexual abuse and like spousal abuse that it's just like at this point persona not grata in hockey locker rooms so he'll never play for san jose again yeah i mean uh, like you said when it came down to the actual when you're now putting your teammates and their families in danger you're in a whole nother ballpark and the the other part of this too is california still has one of the strictest covid guidelines in the nation yeah. And for him to try to go around and all of that, I mean, what did he think was going to happen? And I mean, he probably didn't think he'd get caught. <laughs> yeah, but, like, most of the teams, at least from what I have seen, have been able to administer these vaccines to their players. Yeah, and, only four guys are unvaccinated. Yeah, and one of them started off with a four-goal game, so I wonder yeah. <laughs> if uh, you know the vaccine slowing people down or not. But uh, for someone like him to try to circumvent this whole system where the team doctors were more than willing to administer it for you, and you're like, no, you know, I think I'm going to take the summer to think about it or something like that, and then... You go to Europe all summer unvaccinated. Then you come back, and who knows if you have any certain certain strand of this or X, Y, and Z. And you're spreading it even though you're not showing symptoms. Yeah, like, it was just like, dude, like, 
Tyler Bertuzzi. Yeah, like Tyler Bertuzzi came out, got interviewed on the whole thing, gave his reasoning for not doing it, and he said Stevie Eiserman was cool with it, personal choice, blah blah blah. He went through the lines, and all it came down to Tyler Bertuzzi was he's not going to be able to play in, in Canada. Canada this year. That was it, and he's going to lose pay for it. Uh, yeah, but outside of that, there there was no problem. So it's like. If you want to be on one side of the fence with this COVID thing or, or the other, at least do it. D- don't fake a vax card. Like, that's even worse. Yeah, it's like, yeah, there would be controversy. You will you would get blasted by fans for coming out and being like, I'm not going to get vaccinated. Like, Bertuzzi dealt with a little bit of that when he came out. But then he moved on. Yeah. You know. Then so, he scored four goals to say, okay, I'm, I'm on yeah. vax, sorry. I mean, personal opinion aside about getting the vaccine, going back to the league's point of view, so, again, I get why they're making an example out of it. I get the severity of it. But the fact that somebody faked a health document, got a longer suspension than Tom Wilson ever has, is fucking it, mind-boggling. My, I was going to say, that's mind-blowing, huh? <laughs> like... Tom Wilson has actually done more physical harm than what Kane has so far done, and he's gotten less suspension time. Like, I get why they suspended Kane, but you can't say faking a medical record is worse than Tom Wilson repeatedly putting the lives and careers of other players in jeopardy because of the way he plays the game. So do you that's a lot to say about that. Do you think, though, that the suspension was as big as it was due to the summer that Evander Kane had? It was kind of like, stay hot, Evander, and he most definitely is by now they suspended him that long. Like, do you think Doug Wilson calls Bettman on the, on the <laughs> side and he's like, dude, keep him out for as long as we can. Like, we need to figure this shit out. That's why I thought he would get suspended for it. I thought he would get suspended for the season. To be honest, so I know the players' association would probably file a complaint about it. Let it go to the arbitrator. It would take four fucking months to get to the arbitrator. Yeah. Season's over. Yeah, like, I was gonna say by then, who knows? <laughs> yeah. So I thought it'd be worse. I think on ice, physic a recurring trend and theme of physically harming other players illegally should get worse suspensions and 21 games is which is what Kane got but I'm still bitter about uh the end of last season <laughs> now shall we carry on where do you want to go next yeah so I feel like let's see you want to do the awards first we can do awards first all right and that this year I wanted to include the rocket Rashad uh, winner for most goals scored because I think it would be cool if it's like the last week of the season and we we have two different players and it's coming down to like the last game who's going to whose uh, pick is going to win um, so we'll start there if that's okay that way it's we'll start from the easiest one and get into like the nitty gritty of it so who do you have for Rocket Rashad this year? Rocket Rashad for goals I know I'm probably aging myself in a sense I think Ovi has it this year I I think that he's a man on a mission 
I think that he wants to break this Wayne Gretzky record. He started off very hot the other night, and I think he's just going to take off. I think this is a year for him to knock down a lot of goals. He's going to take down a lot of people this year in that goal-scoring lead. I think he just passed, was it Mike Bossy the other night? No, uh, oh, God. He ended his career on the Rangers, too. Jesus Christ. Well, he passed somebody the other night. Brett Canadian guy. Yeah, Brett Hull is not too far in his future. I just see him kind of jumping over a lot of people this year. I think the Russian machine is a man on a mission this year. I also think Marcel Dion. Thank you. Jesus Marcel Christ. Dion. Okay, there we go. Um, I also think we, we're both kind of on the same page with where we think Washington is going to be when it comes to the playoff race. So I think for the first time in a long time, Ovechkin is going to be in a position where they're like, listen, Backstrom's out. Like, who sets off? Who knows what you're getting from him? The team's a little bit older. Goaltending might not be as great. It might be a lot of 5-4 games, and we need you to score two goals a game. Yeah, I I just think they're going to unleash him when they need him. And I think for him, that's going to be, I don't want to say crucial, but it's a huge stepping stone and opportunity to just kind of continue to what he's been doing. So I think for him, it's easy to just go out there and shoot the puck. And in terms of what you mentioned in the all-time goal scoring list, so he's fifth. He's at 733 right now. Brett Holes at 741. Yager's at 766. Do you think he gets past Yager? So he would need 34 more goals. Uh, yeah, 34 more goals this year to get past Yager. And he's already got two, right? Yeah. Yeah, I well, think he gets. Yeah. I, I think he gets 40 this year. 42. Okay. There's no way he's catching Gordy. Gordy's at 801. <laughs> he no, no, he, he's, <laughs> he's not getting him this year, but I, I do think that, uh, that there's going to be a lot of production this, this year from that crazy Russian machine. Yager should just come back at some point and add on like <laughs> Just to keep adding the stats. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Um, my Rashad pick is, and this is not going out on a limb here, but Austin Matthews. He was on pace with the shortened season first. 65 goals last year. Um, he's in a, the prime of his career. He gets first power play. They set him up like Ovi uh, as the focal point of that first power play unit. But the intangible aspect is just the way the mentality has changed for him and the team, the core of that Maple Leafs team. I mentioned this in the season preview episode, but they went from Oh, man, we'll get him next year. Yes, it's disappointing. We'll get right back attitude. This is not happening again after they bounced from the playoffs last year. So I think it's less about having fun and going out there and trying to execute and kind of like the FU tour for right. Toronto this year. And I think I'm still not sure about their defense and their depth. I think they have too many guys who are past their prime on the third and fourth lines. But I think Matthews is going to be in position to pop 55-60. Wow. You you think he gets 60? That'd be wild. Yeah, I mean, I know he missed three games already, but if he's healthy, I think he'll be close to 60. I say between 55 and 60 is where he ends up. Wow. Okay. I was... 
debating going with a comeback kid of Patrick Lane, but I don't know if there's enough firepower in Columbus to help him out. <laughs> and uh, now I guess the, the, the biggest question or response is, so do we put Connor McDavid up here in the Richard? Do you just think he's still going to get most of his points via assist? The thing is, they they don't need him to carry the team as much as the Caps need Ovechkin and the Leafs need Matthews in terms of goal scoring. Like, he'll get his. I, he'll probably end up with, like, 45 goals, 40-45, something like that. But they've just improved the team around him enough where they, it's not all on him anymore. I know he's had Leon with him riding shotgun, but I think it's in a position where he's... I think he's going to take a step forward this year as a two-way center versus just the goal scorer. I know his defensive game has been lagging way behind his offensive output. I think this is the year where he's finally able to be in a position where he doesn't always need to be out there on offensive zone drawers. He doesn't always need to be shooting the puck, so I think that's going to help his overall game. All right. Um, all right, so let's go with the Hart Trophy. Most valuable player in the regular season for the entire league. Who you got? All right. I, I, I think this is where we ring that hot take bell. Uh-oh. But I'm going with Brad Marchand. Uh-oh. I think Uh-oh. <laughs> Br- Brad is in it this year for a breakout year. Already two goals the other night. I, I think one thing that is crucial with him and for this Bruins team is Patrice Bergeron's not getting any younger. And... I know we always put him up for the Selkie Award and, you know, for being the best defensive forward. And I think that's where his game is going to need to resonate this year. Like, Patrice is going to have to hold down that defensive part of it and not, not try as much offensively. I think Brad the other night, I mean, I, I don't put Dallas at the top of the NHL by any means. Brad Martian has by far the, the best churn and keep away from anybody in the NHL. Like, Connor might be the fastest, but if you put Marshy in a corner on a one-on-one battle with the puck, he's the only one coming out out with it. Just the way he can use his edges, churn that body, pop in, pop out. Um, Power play looked very good with him the other night. He was given looks from everywhere. He's, I don't want to say he's due for it, but I think he's putting the whole league on notice this year. I think he is... It, it, fair to say he's a top 10 player in the NHL now. I, I think that's fair to say. Overall it, player? Overall, yeah. Uh, I'll give him I'll give him a 10th spot. I'll let him sneak in. Okay. So, so I mean, <laughs> he, he's there. And and I think now is going to be the year. Because when you look at our roster, like everyone says Connor McDavid, best player in the league. Yeah, you're right. He, he is the best player in the world. There, there's not a question. But when it comes down to the best player for your team and carrying your team, th- this is the same way Artemi Panarin got into the conversation last year. Your team is only going to go as far as you take them. And I think that Brad Marchand is going to be the one who takes the Bruins to wherever they go this year. So that's why I'm putting Brad Marchand there. Okay. And my only question, well, two-part question, I guess. Do you think he gets hurt because he plays wing? And do you think he gets hurt because the Bruins are perennial contenders, so it's not like he's carrying them to the playoffs. He still has 
the line anytime with Bergie and Pasta. You still have McAvoy in the back end. It's not like he's taking a team that wasn't supposed to be good and becoming good. They were always supposed to be good. No, I think because he plays wing, I don't think that hurts. I mean, I don't think it hurts Panarin. So, um, as for the team, I mean, this team has a lot different outlook than it has in the last couple of years. I know there's a lot of optimism behind this team, but there's also a lot of pessimism, too, because we don't know what to expect. We we don't know what's happening in net. Our D isn't as good as it's been. So I I think for this team to win games where previously we could kind of just shut the door and let it happen, the Bruins are going to have to score this year, and they're going to rely heavily upon him, Pasternak, and Bergeron, obviously, but I think when it comes to actually putting the puck in the net, you're going to see Brad Marchand this year score 42 goals. Damn, okay. Yep. He had, I mean, last year, a shortened season, he popped, what, 29? Yeah. So, um, my MVP pick, and he should have been in the top three for voting previously. Um, I think the reason why he gets it this time around is, well, it's Alexander Barkov. So I think he's finally getting the recognition because of the contract he just signed. So now everybody's like, oh, man, that's a, like, it's a big boy hardcore contract. fans know who he is and what he provides. Like, that's not the problem. The problem is always he plays in a market that doesn't care about hockey, and it's just like off the map for most of his career because they weren't a playoff team. So people just kind of overlooked his contributions. Now Florida is a contender. He just signed that big deal. They saw how he played last year with not only his defensive game. He's probably the, I would say he's the best two-way center in hockey right now, at least under 30. Um, and now they saw last year how he basically carried a line with Duclair and Verhage, even though Verhage is very underrated, and turned him into first-line forwards. So I think as long as he's healthy this year and Florida doesn't somehow crater I think he's going to be getting a lot of MVP votes or, or consideration, and then I think the production kind of carries him over the top. All right. I mean, and now I, I guess a question with just him in general is, do you think that Coach Q is bringing him to a new level, or do you think he already had all this talent? I think he already had the talent. I mean, he was a high draft pick. I think Gallant helped him when he was in Florida. Barkov still mentions him, but I think now it's just it's the right system for the right player. He's if you take Barkov off of the Panthers, they're not a, they're not even a wild card contender at this point. I know they're a better team overall, but you lose him, you lose your entire first line, and now your first line center is Reinhardt, who is center even his best position or his right wing. So then you start the domino effects of losing Barkov for a significant amount of time, I think kind of elevates his case a little bit. And I know some people just go off of stats. They're not necessarily choosing it based on, if you take this guy off this team, where are they? But I still think that's what the valuable part means, the most valuable player, um, which is the point you were getting at, because Bergeron's older, things like that. So I just think that's where he is. It's the right coach, the right system at the right time for the right guy. And... I think he's finally going to get rewarded for the years of being kind of taken for granted. All right. Where do you want to go to next? 
I want to go to the Calder Trophy. Okay. I told you before we started that you would like my pick. Shane Pinto. Okay. With the Sens. There's no competition for top six minutes for him. He's, I think he's starting off in the top line the first couple games. Mm-hmm. So he's going to get the opportunity to put up points. He's getting power play time. And it's a system that works. You saw it the last two years, for at least for the young forwards. So I think he's in a position where the Calder is kind of one of those overlooked awards where the, the riders just kind of look at point total. And then they go, oh, okay, he had the most points, so he had the best year. He's the rookie of the year. They don't put as much consideration into it as the Vezina or the Norris or things like that. So I think it's going to come down to are you in the top two or three in points and how many minutes do you play? And I think that combination helps him out. Well, responding to you, I think you'll like this. For the Calder Trophy this year, I have Maurice Sider from the Detroit Red Wings. He was my second pick. So I just have him. Stevie Y let this kid grow up. He let him play another couple of years over there in the Swiss, brought him over, played in the AHL last year. Uh, Him in the preseason this year, there was a video of Victor Hedman has the puck after a whistle. Oh, yeah. (laughs) He comes, he takes it, and then he has Killorn in his face when he drops another guy. He he, see, he doesn't play scared, doesn't give a shit. And yeah, I the other think, night he started a fight, basically. Yeah, like I, I just think that like I, I kind of like where the kid's head's at in the sense of like he wasn't pushed in this. He was a very high draft pick. That No one expected Stevie Y to draft him where he did. There was a lot of other people on that board. No one expected this kid to go where he did. So obviously there was something there. They've let him to develop. Now he's finally on the team. And I expect big things from them. I mean, I know that Detroit's in a semi-rebuild right now. They're coming back up. But I, I think he's going to be allotted the time to be on the ice in all situations with, to make him very, very good. I also think, though, too, being realistic between me and you, I think Cole Caulfield will win the Calder Trophy. Like, I think he's going to score about 30 goals this year. It's going to be hard to take it away from him. Yeah, and also the Canadian market. So. Oh, I'm not even worried about the Canadian market. I'm just saying, like, because he, he came on last year after he signed, but I just see the kid coming in. I, I could see him scoring 30 goals. And granted, he's very one-dimensional, not very good defensively or things like that. But it's hard to ignore that the kid can put the puck in the net. It was great the other night watching the Rangers against Montreal and just watching Chris Kreider basically treat him like an infant on the back check, and when Caulfield tried to stick check Kreider, Kreider without breaking stride, half turned his torso around and gave him a look like, who the fuck are you, and then kept skating. Like, just looked at him like, get the fuck away from me, and then kept skating. Like, that's how little, like, concern there is for Caulfield as, like, a physical presence. <laughs> oh, yeah, there's no physicality there. It is strictly just he can put the puck in the net. That's... And everybody's picking Caulfield. That's why I didn't go with him. I was like, I don't want to pick the same fucking person that, like, everybody at ESPN is picking. Uh, I, I did see, I don't know if it was ESPN, but I saw a poll the other day. They had a lot of writers on there as to who they were picking for Stanley Cup champion and um, conference champions. Yeah, and needless to say, I, I was in my mind. I was going, "You people should not have jobs." I was just blown <laughs> away. I was like, "Wow, okay. Tampa Bay versus Colorado." Yeah, I was like, "Wow, you, you fucking guys are going out on a limb here." Like, good for you. <laughs> um, 
Let's go with Norris. Norris. All right. So this year with the machine, I think the Colorado Avalanche only go as far as Kill McCarr takes them. And I think the kid this year is just going to be leaps and bounds from where he was last year. So, you know, he had that first year where he came in playoffs last year, the Calder year. I, I just think that the footwork that this kid has on that blue line, just the way he walks the blue line, his constant presence there of he is involved in everything. Everything goes through him in Colorado. He's only going to go as far. Well, that team's only going to go as far as he takes them. And I expect that he's probably going to have 20 power play goals alone. Like that That's what I'm thinking, 20 on the power play. And then everything else from there will be better. I, I just... But is he good defensively as a defenseman? <laughs> like I feel like it's the Eric Carlson syndrome. We're like, is does is he just so good offensively that it makes up for him not? Being... It takes care of everything. Yeah. Okay. No, I I think defensively he's very sound. He he's very stout. Yeah, he's, bad, he, he's bad. very he's very fire hydrant like where he he's physical <laughs> in the corners. He can get pucks, wrap them around quick. I do think in front of the net he can be a little bit better, but at the same time, it's one of those things where we can both agree. If we want the Norris to be what it used to be, we need two separate Norris trophies. Yeah, we need best offensive defenseman, best defensive defenseman. Yeah, because, I mean, best defensive defenseman, I would vote Hal Gill right now. (laughs) Also, just talking about the defensive game and being in front of the net, how, if you're an Avalanche fan, how excited are you that for the next like ten to twelve years, your first pair is going to basically be Makar and Byram? Yeah, I mean, not to mention too, they had to trade away the other kid to Arizona, um, and that was another piece too. Like Colorado is so stacked in a the defense, but b their prospects. Like, so it's hard to. Not they, see they the development though, too, right? No, no. Timmons was the one who went to Arizona for the oh, goalie okay. for for Kempfer. Oh, Kempfer, yeah, yeah. That's right. But um, I just like they're so good there. I I think Bo Byram's gonna have a good year too. I mean, I don't think he's a Norris candidate. He'll he'll, he'll be up there for the Calder. But like you said, I mean, you got to put points up for the Calder Trophy. So I, I don't know if he'll get it. But I, I think that you look at Colorado's power play one with all those all that talent on there. I mean, he could get all of his points just being secondary assists. Like, yeah. it's just crazy to think that it, it, it could be that easy for him in that sense. And he was, he almost won it last year. So the issue is the, how conservative the voters are in NHL. So it's very hard to win a Norris trophy back to back. So if you're out of, Fox, the odds are stacked against you, even though, like, even the first uh, four games of the season, three, four games of the season for the Rangers, he's even better already than he was last year, like, all around. It's incredible to see this kid. Like, he doesn't make a bad play. He doesn't get hit. Like, I've never seen him take a significant or even heavy hit along the boards on any defensive zone since he became a ranger. He just knows where to be. He knows how to avoid contact. He's, no matter how much pressure you're facing or he's facing, he's never panicked. 
He doesn't just chuck the puck out of his own. It's two second round picks for that kid. Like, unreal deal. I don't think he wins it unless he somehow outscores Cam Carr. I mean, last year, I texted you to this. Last year, Fox didn't get power play time. Like, or significant power play time because they had Truba and D'Angelo for like 80% of the season on a power play unit. So Fox won it last year with no power play time, basically. So now he's on the first power play unit. So his point totals are just going to go up. His defensive game is even better, like his cerebral game. But like I said, it's hard to win back-to-back. I don't even know the last time a defenseman won back-to-back Norris trophies. No. has to be probably like the early 90s. I was say, it was probably Lidstrom. Yeah. So that takes him out of the running, even though it pains me as a Rangers fan to see him game in a game out and all the little things that he does and go, oh, he won't win it. I thought it was about Makar, but I'm going to go with Charlie McAvoy. I I was thinking Charlie because I, I was talking in our Bruins pregame one, and I was like, Charlie shoved it up my ass so bad last year. <laughs> as to, I said, I don't think he's that guy. I don't think he can be that top D1 without Z. And fucking Harry went last year. And I said, that, I said, here's the hot take. I said, Charlie McAvoy's going to win the Norris this year. And everyone said, no, he's not. And granted, he's playing with Derek Forbort, which I think makes it very difficult. But from what I've seen the other night, granted, it's only a one-game take, Charlie was everywhere the other night. He touched the puck in every zone at any time of the game. He was all over the place. I mean, he is your defense core. Yeah, we're down to one. (laughs) So I have him winning it just because it, it boils down for me to, are you clearly the best defenseman in your conference, first of all? And I think McAvoy is right up there. I think... Like, everybody talks about Dougie Hamilton and hit, like, because of the deal he signed with New Jersey. I think Hamilton can't, is not even close as an all around defenseman to McAvoy at this point. No, I agree with that 100%. I don't think, yeah. I don't think Hamilton's that good. So, you have McAvoy, who's the, clearly the best defenseman on the Bruins. He's going to get the street cred of carrying the Bruins. On the, from the back end in all game situations. He's playing PK, power play. Most minutes had even strength. He's playing with a guy who shouldn't even be in the top six of a Stanley Cup contender on, on a first pair. And then he's going to get the point totals. And then it's going to be something where it's almost like guys win, the, especially the Norris, like guys win in Norris because riders think if there's not like a super clear cut they almost give it to the guy who might not win it again, might not have the chance to win it again in his career to give it to him. And I think that might be a situation. I know that's very intangible and not being able to document that, but we've seen it in our lives where that situation kind of pops up or like you said earlier for Marshall, like a lifetime achievement award. Um, I think he's in a prime. He's going to pop off this year in terms of offensive production He's going to get a lot of credit for his defensive game, which is stronger than uh, McCars, and they just can't give it to Fox back to back unless Fox has like a fucking Paul Coffey offensive season of like thirty goals and sixty assists. <laughs> yeah, where they just <laughs> that, can't say no. Yeah, yeah. So I think it goes to Charlie because, like, you look at the you look at Fox and McCarr, they're going to be like one two in the Earth Trophy candidates for their career. And McAvoy not, might not get another shot. So I think if he's even in 
the top three, they might they might lean in his direction. All right. Um, let's do Vesna, best goaltender in the league. You didn't pick Shashirkin. Oh, I picked Igor. Oh, you did. Okay. I I picked Igor, especially after last night. <laughs> See, uh, for me, it, it's hard, and I say it because of this. Like, oh, it was for me too after seeing him play last night. <laughs> I just, I, I can't go against Vasilevsky. Like, to me, he is by far the cream of the crop, the the best goalie in the league. It's not close, and I think this year is going to show it because this is not the same Tampa Bay team that it's been the last couple of years. He's going to see a lot more rubber than he has previously. I know that in a certain aspect, Tampa's still stacked. Even though they lost those three guys, they're they're still very heavy favorites. Like, I get that. But I don't think anyone has been as close to the goalie as Vasilevsky's been. Like, because even when Tampa had their breakdowns, I mean, no one was getting by him. Nobody. And, And it's almost like, you know, I can't go against certain teams until I get proved wrong. Like that's kind of the yeah. way I feel about Vasilevsky right now. Like I, I don't have Tampa winning the cup, but I'll tell you what: I, I still think Vasilevsky is the best goalie in hockey. I think it comes down to fatigue. No, and I mean that that could play a huge thing. He's played a lot of hockey the last couple of years, and I mean that in more than that in one way. I think for him, he's played a lot of hockey. He's played a lot of stressful hockey and also voter fatigue like he won it Tampa Bay's back-to-back champs like I feel like after they won it this past season they crossed the line from perennial team can I get over the hump oh Tampa Bay won to okay enough for like a lot of people so I think Vasilevsky I still think he's the best goaltender in the league I'm not saying Shesterkin is better I'm just saying, when it comes to individual award seasons, I think they're going to look at it and say, because in my mind, it's going to be very similar uh, statistical production at the end of the season between the two. Okay. And that's not to say they're the same goaltender. Stats from one year to another, like even when Hank was in the prime of his career, you had random goaltender like Craig Anderson had a better year than him one year stat-wise. Would you take Craig Anderson over Henrik Lundqvist? No. So that, that's kind of where I'm coming at with that. But I think if it's close to similar production, I think Vasilevsky's hurt by just being as good as he is and winning it already. Like I think it's just like the Norris. I think it's hard for guys to just go, all right, you get it back-to-back. Like, so I think that's going to play against him a little bit. So why is Igor getting it? Dude. The goal to, <laughs> outside of Vasilevsky, right? Who's... You have, in my mind, the tiers of goaltenders, right? You have Vasilevsky, God tier. The tier below him is Hellebuck and Igor. I know you like Price, but it, that's playoff carry Price you're thinking of, man. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> I, I, I know that. Carry Price is two different animals. Yeah. <laughs> so, in terms of, like, long haul regular season, the goaltending around a league, like, isn't formidable. So, like, you can get a young kid who comes up and then all of a sudden he's a top five goaltender in the league because of the way he plays. And I think that's Shesterkin. And I don't know. 
it's just he's always you look at his numbers from the KHL and everybody says, Oh, it's just the KHL. Then he went to the AHL and dominated. And he the first last year when he got called into the Rangers was the first time in his life he lost two games in a row. Ever. That's the type of production and talent you're dealing with with him. And I think last year was not even year. He still didn't really get a full training camp. And he still had a decent year. I think this year with the system, I, I don't like early on how all of a sudden all of our fucking defensemen are doing a snow angel. I, again, like, get stay on your fucking feet, please. But I just think Igor is that talented where you can leapfrog a bunch of, like, above average goaltenders to be in the elite class. And I think that's what happened to Sorokin. And I also think uh, Sorokin for the Islanders has a chance too. So I'm not, it's not just Ranger homerism. Like you see me, like I don't just pick Rangers everything. So I just think Igor is that talented. I could see him finishing with a close to a, like a 925, 930 save percentage this year. Like that's just how locked in he's been. That's how he, he's produced his entire, his entire career. And I think with that type of production and with Vasilevsky having the voter fatigue sets them up in a position to possibly win it. Now, one question at least I have is, do you think there's any question marks in the locker room? Just when you About come Igor? On, no, not Igor. I'm just saying in general, when you come out for your first game of the year and Georgie's the guy starting, is it kind of one of those things where it's just a big question mark on the Ranger end, fan end, where you're kind of like, Igor's the guy. Why are we sending Georgie out there? Oh, dude, you should have... The beat writers killed Gallant in the post-game press conference. Like, to his face. Like, what's with the decision to start Georgiev over Shesterkin? And, I mean, Gallant's always been like this. He he's, knows he have a job to do, but he doesn't offer up too much information. But he's always honest about himself. And that's how he was in Vegas and Florida. And he st- tried to give the can response of, you know, I like where Georgie played in the last preseason game. Wanted to get him a start. We had back-to-back. So I was, I'm giving Igor the start in the home opener. That type of shit. Part of it has to... Part of it had to do with playing Washington. And in case shit really got out of control, they didn't want Igor in that possibly getting involved and getting hurt. So that probably played the biggest part of it. But yeah... That decision, even before a puck shot, Sam Rosen was even like surprised in goal tonight. Alexandra Georgiev is starting. So that was a really odd and curious decision. And to your point, I'm sure the guys in the locker room, especially after the loss, like Georgiev gave up five goals. It was probably like, what the fuck was that, man? Yeah. So play with your best. Like tell Igor, no matter what happens, say to fucking increase. Because like, <laughs> yeah. Igor likes to get involved. So. Crazy Russian sometimes, man. You can't make this yeah. shit up. And they're trying to start with, because Henrik was the king, they're trying to call him the czar. Oh, come on. You got to earn it before you're just giving it to it. Like, yeah, I I'm like, like he, I was like, listen, I've just pumped his fucking tires for like five minutes now. Chill. First of all, you don't give out a similar nickname to the next goaltender because I feel like that's massively disrespectful to the last guy. <laughs> like, find something else to give him. 
Paul well, Igor the Great or some shit. I yeah, don't care. But well, not I mean, something like the king. When he was the fucking king of New York and it's yeah. like you're just trying to hand it off to somebody else. like Yeah, Igor I, can't even drive a car straight. So Yeah, we found that out last year. <laughs> um, the last two we got for major awards, we can run through these. The Selkie, who do you got winning? I mean, you already know where I stand with this. It is Patrice Bergeron through and through. I think that when he finally retires, he'll win one more past Bob Gainey, and they're going to have to call it the Patrice Bergeron Trophy. Just the Patty B Award. <laughs> like you know, like I, I just uh, listen. I'm sure there's other great candidates for it, but uh, yeah, I, I can't go against my guy there. I, I will play Homer on that one. I'm not going <laughs> against my guy. And you know how much I like Bergeron, but I started looking at all my award picks, and they were all in the Eastern Conference. So I was like, ah, shit. Like, I got to change it up a little bit. So I just went with Kopitar. All right, that's fair. So, um, I mean, we all know who Kopitar is at this point, same as Bergeron. They're always neck and neck for the Selkie. So that's why I went with Kopitar. I also just think in terms of uh, he's going to get a little bit of a boost because I think the Kings are going to finish better than people expect, and he's still the two-way number one center. So I think he's going to get a boost from that. Right or wrongly, when it comes to the Selkie voting, okay. um, Jack Adams for Coach of the Year. See, I'm on the fence with this one because I, I don't know where to go. And yet again, I don't want you to think that I'm, I'm going to get two. Homer. No, I'm not <laughs> giving two. DJ Smith in Ottawa. Okay. I, I think that he has this team on the right track. Like you said, with your pick with Shane Pinto. He has proven, at least with the offensive group, that they can go to the next level. They finally re-signed Kachuk. He's back with them. I think that with the Overrated. Rec- I think with, well, I, I listen, I love Brady Kachuk, but that contract, man, Ottawa. That's not a good deal. No. A, a, little, <laughs> a little too much in my book. But, yeah. Um, but I just think that for where this team is going to end up, I think you have to look at the coaching staff, and you're going to have to agree that DJ Smith is doing it. Because when they hired him, I was kind of like, "Why the fuck did they hire this guy for?" But I think and where he's did a... they hire him from? That was Toronto, right? Wasn't he assistant in Toronto? And do you think Toronto regrets letting him go? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And I mean, it was one of those things too. Where um, have you seen the? Oh my God! What's it called on Amazon? Where they go with the team for the year? Oh, not hard knocks, but I know what you're talking about. Yeah, so they did it with the Maple Leafs, and uh, yep. I never realized the long history between uh, Sheldon Keefe and Kyle Dubas up there. Oh yeah, I, yep. I didn't realize as to how far back they went. So that was a. Uh, that's why they were grooming them to replace Babcock at some point. Yeah, no, I, I thought that was interesting, but. I will say, too, just, you know, get again, just from watching it, for all the shit that the Maple Leafs fans give Kyle Dubas, he at least seems very interlocked, at least with the coach. So when DJ comes to him with the problem, so after one of the games last year, it was early in the year, it was Matthews versus McDavid. Uh, Toronto ends up losing it in the media. Uh Austin comes out and says that he felt that the team played too laid back or too reserved or something. And the next day, DJ, not DJ, uh, Sheldon he, goes to Dubis and he's telling him, like, I can't believe fucking Austin said that in the media. 
And Kyle just turns to him and he tells him, like, hey, it, listen, you got to squash it now then so you guys are on the same page. And just for just for what's portrayed of him in the sense of he's a pushover and he's soft and blah, blah, blah. Like, I don't see that in this. It's called all or nothing. That's what it's called. I don't yeah. see that in all or nothing. I, I see him being very, very in with the team, and I see him pushing out his opinions very clear and thoughtful. And, I mean, he likes to be concise and – you know, direct with the players. So just from what's perceived from Toronto and the Toronto fans, I think it definitely gives him a much different look that I personally was not expecting. Well, he probably got labeled like that because of how young he was when he got the job. But you don't get to be the GM of the Toronto Maple Leafs by being soft. Like, you have to be cutthroat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Especially coming in there with Lou and Shani. Then you're the last one standing, so. Yeah, exactly. Um, I also, like, again... I don't watch the Maple Leafs every single night, but I was watching the Sportnet broadcast of the Maple Leafs-Rangers game, and every time they went to the Maple Leafs bench, Keith was just standing there while his assistants were talking to the players. Even during play, like you don't hear him from the bench. He's just stone-faced. I'm like, is, what is this guy actually doing behind the bench here? Like, Obviously, he has a system and stuff, but I'm like, as a pl- like. I need a coach who's, like, in it. Like, I don't need a guy like Mike Keenan, but I need a guy who's, like, getting involved. Like, otherwise it comes off as, like, aloof. And I don't know, just from a personal point of view, that kind of struck me the wrong way. My Adams pick, this is called the 2, 5, and 10 comeback trail. Oh, the comeback trail. Here we go. Game one, baby. Because two seasons ago, I picked him to be the first coach fired in the entire NHL, and now I have him winning the Jack Adams Award. Bruce Cassidy. Travis Green. Ah. I have Green winning it because I think everybody is really underestimating Vancouver this year. I think they're going to finish. I don't have a winning the division, but a lot of experts and projections have been finishing just above San Jose and Anaheim and competing with L.A., and I don't understand where it's coming from. I think they're, I know their defense is probably bottom half of the league, but I like their goaltending. And I also like their forward group and the depth that they have. And I think when it comes to the regular season, that can get you a pretty long way. Mm-hmm. Playoff time is a different animal. But I think just because everybody's underestimating the Canucks, that in my mind, when they finish where I think they will, they're going to be like, man, what a great coaching job by Travis Green, even though, while well, part of it is the coaching job, it's just they were underestimated. So I think that's where that's going to come to play. I have Travis Green as the winner. All right. All right, now to the Holy Grail. Our Western Conference playoff teams, our Eastern Conference playoff teams, conference final picks, Stanley Cup final matchup, and a winner. Let's start out West. I don't know if you want to go through – what the actual first round matchups are not picking them obviously but where we just want to list the eight playoff teams um i can do with whatever you want so so you tell me all right let's just do the three and three and the two wild cards okay so western conference for me central division my three teams coming out of there are colorado winnipeg and st louis as one two and three okay i had the same okay out of the Pacific, I have Vegas, Edmonton, Vancouver, one, two, and three. I had Vegas, Edmonton, and 
I sat and I thought about it. I'm putting Calgary at three. I knew you were going to go Calgary. That's <laughs> your soft it was, spot, man. <laughs> it's it's my soft spot, but I, I will say this. I, I like the additions that they made over the summer. Goudreau, Lewis, Richardson. Like They have a lot of guys there who have won oh, cups. Oh, Coleman. Coleman, yeah, Coleman. Like They got guys there who have won cups. Lucic, like, all, Trevor Lewis, Coleman. Like I, I just think that... Maybe these guys are enough to at least get to the playoffs. I, I don't think they're winning anything, but but I yeah. think that'll get them in the dance at least. And Markstrom's still solid in that. So yeah, um, my two wild card teams for the Western Conference in order: the Chicago Blackhawks and the Minnesota Wild. I have that as well, one and two. Damn. Okay, I thought I was going to get by with that Chicago pick. <laughs> uh, Eastern Conference playoff teams in the Atlantic Division. I have Tampa, Florida, Toronto, one, two, and three. Okay. I have Tampa, Florida, Boston. Metropolitan Division. I have Islanders, Carolina, Rangers, one, two, and three. I have Isles, Washington, Rangers. Wildcard teams in the East, in order, Boston and Washington. Wildcard teams, Toronto, Philadelphia. Ooh, Philly, all right. AV man can't hold him down too long. Plus he's got French French Derek back in the lineup with him in Philly with Broussard. I love so, Derek Broussard. <laughs> I do. I, he's just he's a cockroach, man. Like he just finds ways to still be productive. Um so that being said, we'll save the actual playoff picks until the playoffs. But who do you have in a Western Conference final? Well, hold on, let me flip the paper. In my Western Conference final, I have the Winnipeg Jets and the Vegas Golden Knights. I will preface this by saying, if I am right and nail the conference final picks and the Stanley Cup final picks, ESPN and TNT are going to demand money back from the NHL. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, My Western Conference final pick is the Winnipeg Jets versus the Edmonton Oilers. Okay, so do you think... Where do you have Edmonton, too? So they were going to get by... Vegas they were playing Vancouver in the first round. And then what? Then Vegas? Then Ve- they get past Vegas. Okay. I have Edmonton winning at least one round. It's always okay. that second round where that's always the question mark for them. So, I okay. think even though I can't stand that they brought, they're running it back with Mike Smith, I think when it comes down to it. Cody Cece's getting them there. Yeah. Cody Cece, man. You know, Norris. <laughs> um, Eastern Conference final. Who you got? So this one, I went back and forth with. My final pick was the New York Islanders and the Florida Panthers. I got the same. Okay. I got Florida knocking off Tampa in the second round, and I, I got the too. Islanders knocking off the Rangers. Yeah, I had uh, well, I had the different wild card, but I had uh, the Isles knocking off Toronto, and then the Isles knocking off Washington to get to Florida. Okay. So Stanley Cup final pick. I had the Winnipeg Jets versus the New York Islanders. I had the Winnipeg Jets versus the Florida Panthers. Now either one, Danny Chell is like, fuck. <laughs> See, like this is the thing, right? Like the NHL A hates a Canadian market in there. Just does not fit their because uh, whatever the TV, they're pushing. The league revenue is based on an American TV deal. Correct. So uh, that kind of kills them there. 
And I, I think the other part of it is this, too. Like, at least from what we've seen in the past, when the Stanley Cup heads into June, ice conditions are a problem. And, I mean, we had that up in Boston and whatever it was, 2019. But now, you're going to Florida. Yeah. That is going to be a disaster area. <laughs> like, pucks are going to be hopping up four feet high. Like, I mean, I, I don't think there was any issues in Tampa. Well, I mean, at least that we noticed. But I, I just feel like the Florida rink and the Tampa rink are two different animals, you know? Yeah. And plus, the first cup was in the bubble. That's true, too. Yeah. In Edmonton. So, um, well, my no Stan- fans. So, Stanley Cup champion. You have? Oh, I have the New York Islanders. Okay. I, uh... That right there should tell you that I'm not a fucking homer. Yeah, I, I had Winnipeg. I think Hellebuck finally gets it. I can't pick... It was... I have... So, Winnipeg versus the Islanders, and basically my decision, because they're both pretty evenly matched in terms of overall team builds. Obviously, Winnipeg is a little bit bigger. But my choice came down to, do I choose the hated Islanders to win the Stanley Cup, or do I choose Neil fucking Pionk to win the Stanley Cup? <laughs> and, I had to, and I had to go with the Islanders over Neil Pionk. <laughs> now, uh, can, can I ask a question? I mean, obviously, I don't know if you know, just due to you haven't been alive since one would happen, but, like, if the Rangers win the cup, they're going right downtown Manhattan up and not duck boats, but whatever you guys would. Just parade boats down the Canyon of Heroes. Okay, now, if the Islanders win, where where does this take place? It's not happening in Manhattan. That's Rangers territory. Um, last year in the playoffs, uh, the mayor even said, like, the Rangers are the city's team. The Islanders can go celebrate on Long Island. So they're just going um, so, to the Hamptons and throwing a ripper. But that's the thing. I don't think the Islanders would want to go to Manhattan. Like their fans, like, like they would probably have a parade. Do you and, think it would be like a parking lot party, like a meet and greet? Like it would be like that many people that <laughs> no, the, like they just the, line the up. The Islander fan base is much bigger than that. It's not going to be like Anaheim. Um, but they would probably start in Brooklyn because they played in Brooklyn for a little bit, and they still want to try and capture that market. And then they would go into Nassau County and end up at the Coliseum for a little bit. And then they would end up at the new arena, have the speeches and the crowd there. And then, like you said, the players would break off and then go right to the fucking Hamptons. <laughs> yeah, just the, Stanley's going swimming, baby. So, I think those are great matchups. But the casual fan or ESPN trying to get people interested on sports are like, it's game one. The Winnipeg Jets versus the New York Islanders. People are going to be like, what the fuck? Well, well, I think the other problem is, though, too, like, if you look at it from the hockey standpoint, when you know how big it is, you you see the matchup and you're going, oh, great, look, we're having a Barry Trotz trap. Oh, yeah. Versus, like, you know. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? So it's like. Just on that end alone, people are not going to be very enthusiastic, I guess would be the word. Yeah, so if Trotz gets his second cup and proves to Washington that they made the wrong choice. I mean, in fairness, I think ever since he's gone there, I think he's already proved to Washington they made the wrong choice, just with how steady that team has been. 
and Islanders have their new arena this year. So they christened the new arena. They finally have a long-term home. They're not nomads anymore. They're in a state-of-the-art facility, and they christen it with the Stanley Cup. So I was going to say, me and you, big boy, we're going to go to a game in that. You sent me a thing the other day, and if I play my cards right, I'm going to bang that Friday, and we're going to have a triple-header weekend of fucking puck. MSG, right. well, Prudential, and then the New Islanders one. Well, the thing is, if we're doing a triple header, that means it's a 7.30 Sunday night game. That's that's the one thing that kills me <laughs> to try to get home. So so I think what we should do is try and do that Devils-Bruins game on Saturday in New Jersey. You can come down Saturday morning. We can go to the game in the afternoon, see the Bruins, then have the night in the city, and then you can get home at a normal time on Sunday. And then we can go to an Islanders game at UBS and check that place out. Cause they're not playing there until November 20th. Like they're on a road until November 20th. Yeah, no, I saw that, which I thought was funny that like the place isn't even open on time. Like it's that's not even ready yet. <laughs> that, that that's so typical. That's like, <laughs> that's the thing that makes me laugh. Like it's so typical on that end. But like the, the, remember that whole thing about the Long Island railroad train station that I, went on and on about about how the train has to back up to leave and it's only one way yeah they just finished that station two days ago <laughs> like <laughs> but no i mean come down for that we'll go to devil's bruins if you want and then anytime after any islanders game at ubs and maybe we can do an islander ranger doubleheader instead of trying to do a triple header hey I'm, I'm game for that i mean anytime a trip to msg is always good in my book yeah, call up Murph, get some good seats. <laughs> uh, I will call the man, the myth, the legend. Actually, I'll, I'll have to call him to... Hopefully we can set up a good one. I'm going to call Greggy to see what he can comp us for tickets. But, I mean, if we can get the, the four that we had last time, and then we'll see if the Strat Daddy wants in. I mean, five tickets in Newark for that Saturday. And, I mean, it's a 1 o'clock game. We can go out to dinner right after and then still make it home either Saturday night or Sunday at some point. Like... Yeah. I ain't mad about it. And then, if, so, I don't know if he uh, listens. I know he got mad a little while ago when I made fun of the Devils. But uh, he hooked me up, Devils, Rangers, uh, two tickets in a suite for me and my friend Eric, who's a Rangers fan. And just, hey, here you go. You want two tickets? So, I don't know if he can get five, but I know he can get me and you one, probably. Now, the, the only other question was, like, was this, like, the wives suite so is it like weird going in there like your rangers gear oh no no I, first of all i didn't wear rangers gear because i as a new yorker who went to school in boston i respect the fact of you don't go into other people's territory and antagonize like when you do that you're looking for a problem and you're gonna find it I, i'm going there i'm supporting my rangers i'm gonna be loud i'm gonna cheer them on but i'm not gonna go in there and be like look at me i'm a rangers fan let's curse each other out and get to a fucking drunken fight I don't know. Uh, I, I'll wear my Bruins jersey, but it's like I go looking the Bruins as much as the Rangers. Oh yeah, no, like no, that. yeah. Like I go looking for trouble. That's for sure. But no, I mean the suite. It was uh, it wasn't the wives or like a player's suite, but it was like you can tell it was like friends or family of like the front office employees. Oh, all right. Well, I just yeah. say that I didn't want it to be like that awkward thing where like you walk in there and you're like, I should have wore a button up. I mean, me and my friend were the only ones when the Rangers scored the goal, and this was the game that the Devils to fire John Hines. But uh, whenever the Rangers scored, me and him jumped up and the entire suite would just look at us and like, 
roll our eyes, like sit down, <laughs> slap hands, slap hands. <laughs> but yeah, let's see if we can get something worked out with that. All right, I will. Uh, I'll talk to him. I know I had already talked to him previously, and I was saying, uh, you know, I just need to um, touch base just to make sure. A, that everyone's going more than anything because it's like, yeah. I don't want to tell him to get me X amount of tickets and then I get there and, he, you know, he gets us five but only three of us went. Like, I don't want to put him on the hook for that. So And, hey, if it's just you, you can crash at my place. You can hang with the coaster. Me and my girl. Should be, yeah. Should be ready for her <laughs> favorite uncle. Yep. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I, I'm excited. I, I'm going to shoot Greggy a text out. Uh Probably tomorrow. We're recording a little, getting a little bit late recording-wise. But uh, I'll shoot him a thing tomorrow to see what he can get us, and we'll go from there. All right. Do you have any shout-outs? Shout-outs this week. I have a shout-out to uh, Big Kev. So tomorrow uh, we got surprised with uh, some Red Sox tickets. So we're going to Game 5 tomorrow. So that should be good. Currently Red Sox are up 2-1. to one. Uh, I think it's top of the fifth right now. So oh, baseball's still going on. Baseball's still going on. <laughs> so if uh, the boys win tonight, tomorrow we're going to a closeout game. So that should make it a, a wild Fenway Park. And uh, it's a 5.05 start. And I don't got work tomorrow. So it is going to be a long day, my friend. Yep. <laughs> so we'll leave that there. Any shout-outs for you? No specific shout-outs. I thought of just wanting to mention and send well wishes to Mike Bossy. He announced that he's stepping aside. From his uh, announcing duties uh, to continue his battle against uh, cancer, he's dealing with um, lung cancer. So, best wishes to Boston. Oh, actually, l- let me say one other shout out too. I want to give a shout out to Big Red because uh, she has completely transformed my downstairs studio here. Um, I'm in a completely different spot now, completely different background. Everything's over here. I'm not close to the heater anymore, so you probably can't hear it click on and off. And uh, it seems like it's recording a lot better, so it's probably a little bit closer to the uh, the router too. So it feels like everything has gone good currently. So uh, big shout out to her for making this uh, the way it should be. Sounds good. All right, and the Cobster, all right, someone breaking into the apartment? Because she had your back, man. That's all that matters. Oh, yeah, the barking. Yeah, no, she's a corgi, a noise, and she goes on high alert. No, all right, whew. I mean, <laughs> I, I haven't heard from my pit bull that's been on the couch for hours now, so. <laughs> but, everybody, as always, thank you so much for listening. This was fun. Um, don't be scared to reach out if you guys have your own picks or anything like that. Don't be afraid to DM me and Ben. Shoot us some texts. Give us some calls. Uh, Facebook message us. We, we can put up your uh, your thoughts as well on the thing. And uh, we can go from there. So, everybody, thank you so much for listening. And we'll catch you next week. With, uh, we'll actually have some reviews going on outside of, you know, not just one or two games. Kind of uh, some thoughts as to how the season's going. People starting hot. People starting cold. And, you know, we'll, we'll see where another season of this takes us. Benny, hit him with it. Bye-bye. This is the end. Hold your breath and count to ten. Feel the earth move and then hear my
Together